repeat after me, how to maintain, how to maintain a covenant, a covenant relationship, relationship with God. With God. Once again, how to maintain, how to maintain a, covenant a covenant relationship, relationship with, God. with God. Amen. But then we might wonder what is the meaning of the word maintain? Uh-huh. How do you maintain something? Yes. But I, I, I found this explanation, this definition to the word maintain more interesting and aligned to the message that I have to share this morning. Maintain means to continue or persevere. Maintain, to maintain something, to maintain a relationship, or to maintain a blessing means to continue or to persevere in. To continue or to persevere. Meaning, you have to uh, be, 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 be resolute because there might be things that come at you. There might be things that want to stop you. There might be things that want to prevent you as you walk in a relationship with God. There might be trials. There might be challenges. There might be some troubles. And Pastor... You know, will be more familiar to this than us that there might be some persecution. Our pastor friend from uh, Pakistan could attest to that. So, by here, persecution with us here in the United States will mean some troubles, will mean some lack, will mean the flesh that don't want you to fulfill the desires. Of the spirit. Hallelujah. But oftentimes we ask a question. God, where is God? Sometimes we ask that question. Where is God when we are not experiencing, you know, good times? We ask, where is God? But my answer to that is, God is right where you left him. He is right where you left him. If you're asking that question, God is right where you left him. Could we report, repeat that? God is, God is right where you left him. Right where you left him. Beloved, we have read the responsive scripture reading in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34. And God was promising a new covenant relationship with him. Where his word, his spirit will put his word, this new covenant will be established in our hearts, in our conscience, in our innermost being, the core of our being. But many times, when we look at the lives of the people of Israel that the Bible talks about so often, these are the people that God picked out out of many to mold his character to show the rest. What God did was to pick out some out of the many and use that to mold and to shape and to build his character in the, the field so that we, the rest, will see what God is doing 
and want to be close to him. That's what God is. But many times the people of Israel, they disobey God in his love to establish a covenant relationship with him. Beloved, uh, this is part of the series. And last Sunday, I laid down and I gave the definition of covenant and what covenant means. So if you weren't here Sunday, you could look for the message. Uh, I think podcast and listen to it. So you, you understand where we're coming from and where we're going with this message of covenant relationship with God. So God had the desire to establish a relationship, a covenant relationship. But here covenant meaning we obey God. It's not, just, it's not a relationship that will work anyhow we want. That we disobey God in any, any dimension or any aspect of our lives and expect him to bless us. God is saying in this covenant, if you obey my word, if you walk and be, 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 cover, be cover, cumbersome of my ways, I will bless you. Amen. If you obey my commandments, if you obey this word of mine, which represents me, I will bless you. So that is what the covenant means. But sometimes these people, this first example of people who are the Israelites, they disobeyed God and his commandments. And they fell into idol worshiping. But beloved, this time of age, idol worshiping, Means a hope means all different. I don't worshiping in our time now will be neglecting the ways of God. We'll be disobeying the ways of God and going our own way. We'll be putting our lifestyle ahead of God. This church is supposed to be packed where there's no place to sit. Because there's many out there. That are supposed to be in here, but then I've turned. You know, sometimes if you even want to approach people, and even the minute you mention the word Jesus, they have you up away from you. So we are living in a time that many do not want to hear the gospel. We are living life our own way. And that is idol worshiping now. Sometimes we don't have a, a way out, maybe, you know, our job and stuff. But that could be understandable. But when we have the means, we have the time, and we do not want nothing to do with God. That is idol worshiping. But they worship the idols forgetting the commandment of God and its consequences, which is judgment. So when we disobey the word of God, we what? Attract judgment of God. Beloved, sin, we all came through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, the first man that God created in the Garden of Eden. But us, a father, God had always desired a fellowship.
fellowship with his children. The desire of God is always to have fellowship with us. So in that attempt, he establishes a covenant and renews it. So in the first instance, he establishes covenant and renewed it with the seed of Adam. The first covenant was with Adam and the third God and ongoing we see God's desire to get close to man and to have fellowship with man. So he renews that covenant. He renewed it with Abraham. He renewed that covenant with Noah. And so you see that these great men of God that fell in line with what God's assignment was for their lives and what God was doing, God renewed this great covenant with them. And then it came to Moses and then it came to David. So we, we see that same covenant being renewed with Abraham, Isaac, and then David and Moses and all throughout the land. Why? For the revelation of Jesus on the scene. So these were covenants that was temporary to reveal the covenant God wanted to make with us through Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Beloved, sin is the result of all the problems in our world today. Sin is the result of most of the problems of the world today. We see the disturbances. We see the chaos. We see the confusion. We see the disorderliness. We see the killing, stealing, and destruction. We see our country today about to be plunged in confusion because of the signature. This party is saying he did this and the other party is trying to cover every truth of it up. That he didn't do it. Hallelujah. But accept the intervention of the Spirit of God. Amen. Beloved, all these has been transmitted in our lives too. In our relationships. In our finances. Hallelujah. <coughs> all these confusing, all these Killing, stealing, destru destruction has been transmitted in our finances and our relationships. Sometimes our relationships, there's no peace because of what the enemy, the role the enemy is playing behind the scene. Sometimes our, our finances, we, we, we experience tough times and challenges because of forces assigned to hinder us from experiencing the financial blessing God has for us. The world and Christians today, we are experiencing failure in our lives. Why? Because we are not clinging unto God. We are not clinging unto God. And you say, Pastor, what does the word clinging mean? Holding on to God like that. And going everywhere you go with him. That is what the word clinging means. Hallelujah. 
But the word of God in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what does it say? If uh, the young man could help me. It says, but first and most importantly, aim at, which means you have to try, aim at, strive. It will come so easily and smooth. Brother Young, we were saying that this morning at Sunday school class, right? It says, his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And what does that mean? His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given what? To you also. Seek his kingdom. His right way of doing things. Striving, persevering to be close to him and to obey him. And all these things, the big houses, the riches, the money, the peace, the protection, the provision, the supply, uh, prosperity in the business, promotion on the job, career advancement, children acting right, peace at home, in the relationship all around our lives. It says, and all these things signifying what? The blessing. The blessing. When we seek after him, he will bless us. That's in a nutshell, that's what that means. But beloved, oneness with God. This is expecting us to be one with God. What clinging means you being one with him in all your lifestyle. But oneness with God is what being able to maintain our covenant relationship with him. Oneness with God means being able to maintain our covenant relationship with him. But this will be impossible without God's spirit living in us. This will be impossible without depending on the spirit of God. But let's look at the Ten Commandments, the first laws that God gave. The first laws which seed was the Mosaic Covenant, was the covenant that God made with Moses. The Ten Commandments was written on stones. It was written on stones. We all, if we remember that when Moses brought the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel were already in, they have created an idol and they were worshiping already. Already. For 40 days, they already straight away. And out of Moses' anger, he threw the, the stone that had the Ten Commandments on it, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. He splashed it and broke it and had to go again for another one. But this time, God promised that he will put his covenant in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this covenant that God has made now with us through Jesus Christ, he promised that that covenant will be put in our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we read in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34. Beloved, God promised a new covenant that will be written in our heart. This covenant will be in our heart, in our core, in our core, in our innermost being. Meaning God will work this covenant 
from the inside from the inside he will go deep down our uh, our being and work it out beloved out of his law will be housed in a new tabernacle and tabernacle represent a church the first church that God um, built through the people of Israel by the direction of Moses was called a tabernacle it, it was not a permanent structure wherever they moved they folded up the church and moved with them and set it up somewhere else but now God is saying he is gonna put his law in a new house and this new house is our heart because that ten commandment that was written on stones was put in the first church, the tabernacle, in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where that first law written on stones that God gave through Moses, that's where it was kept. But now God is saying this new covenant through Jesus, it will be in our heart, the heart of his people. Let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. Apostle Paul said, but as it is, Christ has acquired priestly ministry, which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry. Why? Because the, in that time, this ten covenant on stones was established through Moses. There was also the part that the priest offered animal sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people. But Apostle Paul is saying now that assignment, Jesus has done it. That assignment is performed through who? Jesus. He is an excellent priest. For he is the mediator, arbiter of a better covenant, uniting God and man. This is the amplified version of the Bible. Uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rest on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, no fault with it, there would have been no occasion for a second one or an attempt to institute another one, the new one. However, God finds fault with them, showing its inadequacy. When he says, behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with your fathers on the way when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not what? Obey, uh, uh, not abide in my covenant. They did not. They did not obey my covenant. And so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their minds. Even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding, innermost your call, your conscience, and engrave them upon their hearts. 
effecting their regeneration. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And it will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow citizen or each one his brother, saying, Know by experience, have knowledge of the law, for all will know me by experience and have knowledge of me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful and gracious toward their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. When God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and whatever is becoming obsolete, out of use, or I know that's what the word obsolete means, and growing old is ready to disappear. Hallelujah. So God's new covenant, as Paul describes here, is what was given through the, the death of Jesus. His death reconnected us back to God. Beloved, in time of old, the Holy Spirit hovered over the church, the first church, the tabernacle. So just as our church is, the Spirit of God stayed on top of the church. But now God is saying that same Spirit, He will put inside His people. He will put inside our heart. The heart of flesh that will be sensitive to His heart. So God will put His Spirit in us so that our heart will be sensitive to His heart. So that we'll be able to obey, we'll receive the grace to be able to obey what God says in His way. To be able to abide by His way. Without the Spirit of God, we can't do it. So God is saying, instead of His Spirit hovering on top of the church, now He's going to bring it all the way down inside the church into our hearts. By what? The power of the Holy Spirit. So when you recited the salvation prayer, automatically, the Spirit of God came to dwell in your heart. In your heart. To give you the grace to know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. Our heart is not the temple of the Holy Spirit and God's way. God's law. So the psalmist said, the word have I hidden way in my heart so I will not sin against you. Beloved, it is the Holy Spirit that discloses Jesus, mediates Jesus, and illuminates Jesus in our heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us understanding about the things of God. And the Holy Spirit in our heart means Jesus himself in our heart. So that's what it means by discloses Jesus, mediates Jesus, and eliminates Jesus, throws light about who Jesus is in our heart. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus in our hearts. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. As Apostle Paul said, let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 to 21. God had always desired to be close to his people. He always desired one-on-one -on -one contact with him. Adam and Eve had no mediator. Adam and Eve had 
the, the grace to speak to God one on one. God spoke to them and they spoke to God with no mediator. There was nobody in between. So now God approaches his people and let's look at what God God was not trying to read to his people. He said now all the people witnessed the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the smoking mountain and as they looked, the people were afraid. And they trembled and moved backward and stood at a safe distance. Then they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But not let God speak to us or we will die. So here is God trying to get close to the people. They said, no, 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 no. We're scared of this God. Hey, you Moses, you go over there. You go, you go speak to him. Right? You go speak to God. We're scared of him. You go speak to him. And say, tell us what God says. You see the origin of the mediator? In the beginning, God wants us to deal with us one-on-one. -on -one. But we humans rejected that idea. And so, now God had to come out with the first mediator, who was Moses, and then perfect that with Christ. Because that mediation assignment was a temporary one. Because that mountain was light, lit up, lighted up with thunder and, 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 and lightning. Beloved, God had always desired to get close to his people. But we have always tried to reject God in his approach to get close to us. We see the people of Israel did that. And as I was describing earlier, we see many rejecting the same God at this time and age. At this time and age. We see people when you present the gospel, or they tell you know, they want nothing to do with it. Come to church. Oh, you know, you you guys, you go away. I'm going to sit at home and watch my games. There's a football coming. I have a co-worker. He has been promising me to come to church. And anytime he makes the promise, he says, oh, you know, I'll take it back because, you know, his favorite football team will be playing. He said, oh, you know, this Sunday the Raiders will be playing. I can't come. So instead, they push Moses to go and be a mediator. But we see the Lord patiently waiting generations and generations as we wander away, further away from God, and we're becoming self-reliant. Many people have become self-reliant and trying to follow God's laws on their own. This is what some of us are doing now. People are doing. Rejected God. And they have their own means and their own self self generated understanding about God and God's word. You should hear some of the, the explanations some people have when it comes to you know talking about God. And this is what God is describing. His people have been going further and further away from Him because we are depending on ourselves to understand the laws of God, which is His word. But God has always spoke his desire through prophets. Since the beginning of time, numerous prophets
And even now, God is using prophets to communicate his desire to be close to his people. God used prophets, which is recorded in his word. And even now, God is using great and powerful men of God to communicate his desire to get close to his people. And out of that, God made a promise for the future. He made a promise for the future. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And she will call his name what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. And who is called Emmanuel? Jesus. Jesus is called Emmanuel. God is with us. But the blood of Jesus has power. The blood of Jesus that was offered sacrificially for our sins is the means God maintains a covenant relationship between us and him due to sin. Due to the issue of sin in our lives, the blood of Jesus offered the grace through it to maintain our covenant relationship with God the Father. We can't just come to him on our own. It has to be the, through the blood. It has to be by the blood. He said, on your best days, when you have done so much good and everybody else recognize how good you've been, the word of the Lord says, it's just like filthy rash in the sight of God. So which means what we will consider as good in the sight of God, he might not consider us as good. But the maintenance comes through the blood of Jesus. And this was the cause why God instituted a temporary means, a temporary means for atonement of our sin. He started during the the Le Leviticus laws, Le Leviticus chapter 9, verse 1 to 9, was when God instituted the, 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 the process, the concept of substitutionary sacrificial atonement. Substitutionary sacrificial atonement animal sacrifice to atone of our sins. So in the beginning God accepted animal sacrifice temporary for the atonement, for the forgiveness of our sins. But it was temporary. But then the fault with that, with that, with that sacrifice was that you carry, you carry the guilt of your sins around. The guilt of your sins was with you always. Your guilt was not purged. That's the difference between Jesus' blood that took away sin forever. And God said, through the blood of Jesus, I will forgive you of your sins. And throw it where? In the sea of forgetfulness. Where nobody could go and fish your sins and bring it up. And wave it in the presence of God to accuse you. 
When God forgives, he forgives through his grace. So this animal sacrifice was symbolic of the death of Jesus because the animal blood could not take away sin completely. It was temporary. Look at Leviticus chapter 9 verse 1 to 9. It will describe the type of animals and how the sacrifice was to be offered for the sake of time. See my time man just flashing the time to hire me through it. That's good. Keeps me on my toe with time. <coughs> Beloved, what is substitutional sacrificial atonement? What is it? What does that mean? What does that concept mean? It said the innocent had to die for the guilt. The innocent, an animal that was innocent of sin, this animal had to be offered as sacrifice for the guilt of me and you who had committed sin so that we will go free of our sins. Because what? The wages of sin is death. The punishment of sin by the spiritual principles of the word is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So, without the blood of Jesus, you experience death. Not, and not death, some death, yeah, cutting your life, so, but death means, you know, your blessings being with hell. Or, you know, you, you get disconnected from God. Beloved, what is the meaning of sin? Sin means missing the mark. Missing the mark. Or disobeying God's way. Missing the mark or disobeying God's way. And under the law of substitutionary sacrificial atonement, an innocent animal which did not desire to die will be sacrificed in place of a guilty person who did not deserve to live. An innocent animal who did not desire to die will be sacrificed for the sins of a guilty person who deserves to die. Because of your sins, you deserve to die. But on the cross, let us all say on the cross. On the cross. On the cross. Jesus, the one who did not deserve to die, died in our place. Jesus on the cross, he did not deserve to die because he was not a sinful one. But he died in our place and through his blood, we who did not deserve to live were made alive and righteous before God. He did not deserve to die but he was offered as a sacrificial lamb even before the foundations of the, 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 the earth. The lamb that was slain. Before Adam and Eve sinned, God had already prepared the second Adam. Coming in the place and in the shoes of Adam, he walked in the shoes of man. He was 100% man and 100% God to fulfill the promise of the new covenant. 
that we might be made alive and righteous before God. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. It says, for it is by grace. What is grace means? God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved. What does that save mean? Actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. It is through Jesus that we are saved. What? Through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself. Not through your own effort. But it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. He said this grace did not come by yourself. But by the works of Jesus. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. So that no one will be able to push or take credit in any way for his salvation. So our salvation is by the blood of Jesus. Through him, we are made alive and righteous before God. So no one could boast and say, it was by my own works, it was by my own deeds, I paid the pastor some money, I went to the Catholic priest to offer some, to offer my sins and ask the Catholic priest for forgiveness, and that's how I'm saved. No, not human ability, not human wage, but solely by the grace and the mercies of God through faith. So therefore, you have to have faith when you say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying and saving me from my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and personal Savior. You can't just be saying that. You have to say it meaning it. You have to say that salvation prayer with meaning. Let it mean it in your heart. Yeah. And that's how you get saved. Not just repeating it as a motion because maybe you find yourself in an environment and the salvation prayer is offered. You have to say meaning it. That's what faith means. Trusting and believing that God have saved you indeed through the blood of Jesus. The word of the Lord says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So I wrap up this sermon as our mediator, as Jesus our mediator, through Jesus, our covenant relationship with God the Father is maintained. Through Jesus Christ is the means that our covenant relationship with God, who we also call Abba Father, is maintained. Through him we continue in this relationship. Through him we persevere in this relationship. Trusting and believing in him and receiving the grace to walk in his word and to obey him. Hallelujah. Let's give God all the glory. So bless the name of the Lord. So as I leave, let's look at this point. What Jesus means as the mediator 
of the new covenant. Let's look at what that means. One, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. One, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. Jesus helps us in our need. We pray through Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and God the Father answers our prayer to provide our needs. Jesus is the God-man, three. Jesus is the God-man able to save us. He is the God-man able to save us. Four, Jesus has paid a ransom for us. He pulled his life up to die for us. Five, Jesus has taken away our sin by the covering of his blood. Fifth point, what it means as Jesus being the mediator, it said Jesus has taken away our sin by the covering of his blood. And at this point, Jesus is seated in majesty. What does that mean, he's seated in majesty? Meaning he's seated at the right hand side of the Father in heaven. The right hand side of the Father represents power. So Jesus right now as we speak is alive. And he's seated at the right, side, right hand side of the Father. Which is the power side of God the Father. Interceding for you and I. Daily. Because what our prayers have to go through him to get to the Father. This is the reason why we pray through the name of Jesus. Because in the book of John chapter 15, he said, I am what? The vine. And you are the branches. You can do nothing without me. He said, the verse 7. Let's look at verse 7. Let's look at John chapter 15 verse 7. If you could go there quickly. John chapter 15 verse 7. If you remain in me, if you remain in me, and my words what remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united, and my message lives in your, well, your heart, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish in my name. So why? Because he said that, at the right side of the Father, which represents power, interceding for us, the seat of majesty. Let's give God all the glory. Let's bless His holy name.